ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to OCA's Asia Town Voice, where an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. This hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans community culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. OCA's Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Yin Tang, also known as DJ Bossy Lady. And uh, suddenly disappearing tonight with his sound effects is Johnny Woo, the ghost host. We just want to give him a shout out because we are using his studio and uh, he's uh, off doing other editing stuff in his studio. <laughs> I would also like to introduce Madam President Lisa Wong. Hi, everyone. Lisa Wong is the president of OCA Cleveland, uh, the organization for community advocacy, formerly known as... Is that the official name? Was no. It? No, it's not the official name. <laughs> well, sorry. OCA Greater Cleveland was a chapter of a national organization. And um, we, we, we or originally it was the organization of Chinese Americans of Greater Cleveland. Um, but nationally, we rebranded to an Asian American advocacy organization because the issues that pertain to Asian Chinese Americans pertain to all Asian Americans. Very good to know. And our special guest today is Marin Rogers, here from GALAS, G-A-L-A, and that stands for the Global Ambassadors Language Academy. So welcome to the show, Marin. How are you today? Hi, good. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. So before we talk about the, uh, the GALA, the uh, Academy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How long you've been in Cleveland, what brought you to Cleveland, and any fun stories you might have? <laughs> Um, so I'm from Cleveland. I grew up in Cleveland. Um, my sister and I were born in Chicago, mm -hmm. but basically since the age of three, I've been born, I've been raised here. Um, so I, and I grew up originally when I was younger on the west side of Cleveland and then, um, older on the east side. So I feel comfortable crossing the bridge back and forth. Um, do you have any fun stories about Fun stories. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting to share that I am a first-generation American uh, and also first-generation high school and college graduate. My parents were both immigrants. They immigrated from, um, my mom immigrated from Poland mm -hmm. in the late 70s, and my dad in, also in the late 70s from Taiwan, and they met in Chicago. And although both of them had limited English, love is the international Aww. language. <laughs> and so my sister and I appeared. Um, when I was younger, my mom and dad owned a restaurant in Lakewood. It was a Chinese restaurant. My dad was oh. the cook and my mom was the hostess and the waitress. And my sister and I were the cute little Asian kids Aww. hanging out at the register and in the kitchen. Aww. Yeah. Did you get to serve anything, or was that mostly left to... I ate all the Chinese food I ever wanted. <laughs> anything on the menu, although, like, the really expensive dishes my dad would, like, limit us to, like, once a week. <laughs> and I remember being in the basement and, like, filling up little cups of um, the duck sauce. Yes. And he would he would pay us, like, 25 cents for, like, 500 cups. Really? Yeah, and then we would go to the laundromat. And play Pac-Man and buy ice cream sandwich, and then our money was gone. Well, you know what? <laughs> a quarter went a long way back in the day. It did. It did. Yeah. That's like that's like you know you used to mow somebody's lawn, and you know senior citizens they give you like two quarters for an entire you know right now fifty cents. It doesn't even get you half a gallon of gas. So, <laughs> but all right. Um, you're originally in Chicago. You moved here, and you mentioned you're half Polish. Now, do you speak any um, Polish or any? Chinese at all? I uh, unfortunately don't speak any Polish um, and I know how to speak some Chinese but it was because of studying mm -hmm. um, for about six years but it's it's very poor now because it's also been about six years since I've been able to practice. Wow. Yeah I, um, I really wanted to connect with that side of the Asian side of my culture mm -hmm. and so when I was an undergrad at Case I took Chinese as a minor and I studied abroad and um, even after graduating is when I moved back to Taiwan and I spent a couple years there. Wow yeah. I definitely want to ask more about that. Um, so how long, or, okay so you said you were in Taiwan for a while, where did you stay exactly? 
Uh, well, my family is from Taichung, mm-hmm. um, but when I was there studying abroad, I went to um, uh, the area is called Muja. It's the. Um, well, I'm not familiar with that. Area. What university is that? I Paul, I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> National Chengchi University. That's where I went to study abroad, and then when I moved back, I lived in Taipei, mm-hmm. and um, I worked at an international um, immersion school in English. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I was a third grade teacher. It was the best job I ever had. Really? Still wow. to this day. So Most, yeah. my other question was like how long did it take for you to get comfortable with the language and the lifestyle of someplace you've never been before? Oh, instantly? Really? <laughs> awesome. Instantly? Oh yeah. Um no, I mean for me the most important the top three for me in living abroad is food. <laughs> so food was number one over there. Um, transportation, public transportation is so important. Mm-hmm. And so Taiwan is amazing. You can get anywhere you want very quickly for very little cost. Wow. And it's organized and clean and safe. Good. Um, and then top three is just like the ability to have a good time. And, you know, there's just a lot going on. In Taipei, at least. Wonderful. Yeah, I had a good time. Do you have any questions, Lisa? No, that sounds very interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to know, like, what kind of foods. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> did you find interesting there? Uh, my favorite, jipai. Am I saying that right? I so, it's um. So there's a famous night market in Tai in outside of Taipei. In uh, it's called Shilin Night Market. I think it's like the biggest night market hmm. in Asia. Wow. Maybe just in Taiwan, and they say Asia when we're there. <laughs> I, I have, um, I've seen my friend's pictures. I've never Shaleen, been. Shaleen, yeah, it's it's famous. So you go there, and like you can literally walk three miles, and it's nonstop wow. night market. Oh but there's God. this one stand that everyone knows about, and they all they sell is jipai, which is just they take a chicken breast and then like a mallet, and then they flatten it so oh. it goes from like the size of like a bagel to like the size of like a whole pizza wow <laughs> and then they deep fry it and it's amazing so it's just wow it's just flattened deep fried amazing chicken oh, oh. chicken uh elephant ear yeah <laughs> like yeah like that yeah it. yeah i dream about it really so, yeah i miss it what so, kind of spices do they have or is it just uh, it's like... like this it's like a pepper some kind oh of God. a pepper salt it's a very simple but perfect huh I guess like kind of Mandarin, it sounds like it would probably be a jipai, like a like a steak of chicken. Yeah, sort of. it's like flat. Yeah, my tones are so bad, and that's from right trying to learn Chinese as a college student. Well, I mean, I know that the Taiwanese have a slightly different accent, and even though my sister and I learn both learn the same kind of Mandarin, she watches a lot of Taiwanese soap operas. Uh, so when she speaks Mandarin, it has a very distinct Taiwanese yeah. accent, and people think she's from Taiwan. She's like, "No, I'm not. I just watch a lot of their yeah. TV." It's <laughs> funny. It's so it's funny you say that because I don't think of it as a Thai- Taiwanese accent. I think of it as a Chinese. There's a Chinese accent. Oh, so I yeah. I only know the Taiwanese accent. Because okay. I've been there, like, huh. at least eight times. So, but when I hear someone that's from mainland China, I can hear it. It's so strong. It's different. Because there's, like, a R. There's an yeah. R Especially from sound. the north. Yeah. So I, like, can know immediately. I'm like, oh, that's Chinese accent. Like, <laughs> but, but Taiwanese accent is, like, the norm for me, but only because mm-hmm. that was my, hmm. where I, that makes what a lot I of used sense. to. Like, my first reference point, I think, yeah. is what kind of sets that. Huh. So tell us a little bit about the uh, Global Ambassadors Language Program. Um, it, if I'm, am I correct in saying that you pioneer this endeavor? Yeah, I'm the founding director. Awesome. Tell which us is, all about is it. not as glamorous <laughs> as it sounds. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, the Global Ambassadors Language Academy. We just say gala. As soon as I get that out there, we just stick to gala. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was almost gals until someone pointed out the acronym to me would be gals because <laughs> it was going to be global ambassadors language school. school. Yeah. Um, so we're gala. Um, it's, it's, it kind of comes from a little bit of everything I just shared. So, you know, being a child of immigrants growing up in Cleveland, not, I had the language. I grew up um, speaking blended language. So we spoke broken English, Polish, Taiwanese and Chinese at home. It was great until um, we started school. And at that time, um, well, we were in Cleveland, so we went to Cleveland Public Schools. And we lived on the west side, um, really just five minutes away from where Gala is located now is where I lived. So it's it's beautiful for me, like full circle. Um, but when 
I was growing up and we went to Cleveland schools, they were integrating. So even, even though I lived on the West side, we had to get on a bus across the bridge and go to school on the East side. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was inappropriately identified as special ed, which really I was supposed to be limited English proficiency. So, um, I didn't learn how to read or write until the second grade. Wow. Um, and my sister, I think as well. So, um, the saving grace I would say is that when my mom and dad opened that restaurant in Lakewood, and so we just moved to Lakewood and then I was enrolled in Lakewood public schools and that's when I was identified as LEP and they put me in a small group of group with other students that spoke Spanish and Arabic. Hmm. And then like in six months I was on track and then I was put in an accelerated class where I was like in a grade three, four, four, five, five, six oh, with nice. like 10 other kids that oh. were like accelerated. So, um, but what happened is I lost my language, mm-hmm. right? All of it, mm-hmm. the blend the Polish, the broken English, even like I lost my family language. It didn't make sense to anyone else, mm-hmm. but it was what we had and it was, it, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, and then like people will often say you can't learn a language without culture. Mm-hmm. So when you take the language away, you take the culture away. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as a grown up now, and like I can process and reflect the things that I didn't understand when I was little, I realized like I, spent the majority of my young life feeling ashamed of my culture, of my language, of my differences, of the weird lunches that I had, you know, um, like an embarrassment, like with my, with my mom who didn't finish eighth grade, was illiterate in English and Polish, you know, heavy accent, people treating her a certain way Mm -hmm. because she has an accent, like you're, you're stupid if you have an accent, like, no, actually smarter than you because right. I know two languages but um so I had I have all that inside of me my Cleveland roots um my regrets of not having language um and then my wonderful experience in Taiwan where I taught um at an immersion school in English and I was blown away I had my third graders they were so smart um and they were trilingual and I wow. started to reflect <laughs> like wow that would have been so great if I had that experience but it's too late for me, clearly. And one day I might have kids and I'd really want this for them. Mm-hmm. Because if I can give them back the language, then maybe we can build a bridge with family. Um, so that was the ultimate goal. And I consider like ridiculous expensive options like au pair. Yeah. Right? People get the <laughs> nanny and they pay a ridiculous amount of money. But that would have only benefited my children and would have been um, expensive. So I started thinking about a school. Mm-hmm. And that was about um, five, more than five years ago. And I just kept, I just kept at it. And here we are. <laughs> I just skipped a lot of, <laughs> I just skipped five years of work. But <laughs> I mean, that was really it was that was where the burning passion came from. Mm-hmm. And um, now my son is in kindergarten mm-hmm. and his first day was August 3rd. And it was at mm. the school that I made for him. Aww. Yeah. That has to be a very fulfilling feeling just it to is. see him walk through those and doors. And he's so proud, too. Yeah. Like, I had to have a conversation with him. Like, you can't call me mommy. I'm Miss Marin. <laughs> and he was acting bad in preschool. The week before his last day of preschool, he was just being bad. And his teacher came to me, and she said to me when I picked him up, she was like, um, so I had to talk to Harrison about his behavior, and I have to share with you what he said to me. So what did he say? And she said, when I told him that he can't act like that, especially because he's going to kindergarten, he said, well, you know, my mommy's the boss at my kindergarten, so I can do what I want. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. I had to have a talk with him and I had to tell him like, no, actually, you have to work harder now because if you do something, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. (laughs) So the pressure is on like tiger mom unleashed all over it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he hasn't acted up. Uh, well, (laughs) I have to remind him daily. (laughs) I think it was the second day of school. He decided to do a handstand in class and, and he still has a, uh, like scab on his forehead that's healing, (laughs) which is a daily reminder to not do handstands in class. (laughs) Yeah. He was trying to show off to his friends, so. 
He doesn't have like a little girlfriend or something. Uh, no. No? Okay. No. He still <laughs> thinks that he's going to marry his little sister. Aw. Yeah. Because yeah. they love each other. Well, their understanding of marriage is someone that you love forever oh. and your best friend hmm. that you want to take care of. So. Aww. His sister also wants to marry him. That's a good message. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they'll grow out of that once they, <laughs> yeah. once they hit the age where, you know, sibling rivalry kicks yeah. in. So. Yeah, I'm sure it's coming probably tomorrow because we're talking about it now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Let's knock on some wood here. Yeah. There we go. So may, may they stay sweet for many more years. Yeah. Um, okay. So it says that this is the first Mandarin immersion school in Ohio and that um, Spanish is also an option as well. So how are these classes set up? Do the teachers um, speak both Spanish and Chinese or is it like two separate Mm -hmm. sort of programs? It's two separate programs, um, which is very typical of schools that are immersion. Mm -hmm. So um, a parent would have to choose either Spanish or Chinese. Hmm. And so they're separate. So... um, Right. This year, we're just enrolling kindergarten and first grade, but then every year we add a grade up until mm. grade eight. That's really awesome. Yeah. And we have um, we have two Spanish classes and we have two Mandarin classes. Okay. The Panda Room, the Dragon Room, yeah. are the Chinese, are the Mandarin classes. And then Aww. we have the Butterflies and the Dolphins. Aww. Yeah. I, I was like... <laughs> I would like to meet a chupacabra, I'm just saying, but I think I think that they're kind of cute in their own way, but I don't think most people would agree with me. Plus, I think that only limits it to Mexico. It doesn't really cover Well, all. and it would be really hard to ask because, so this is how little, little people remember. So if you ask them like, oh, you know, which class are you in? Uh, I'm in Huang Lao Shu's class. Like, they're not going to say that, but they can say, I'm in the panda room. Aww. So it also has to be something easy for the yeah, children I guess to be Chupacabra. able to say over and over and over again. <laughs> Chupacabra is kind of long. <laughs> and as, as an administrator, I don't want to ask that over and over and over again. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So, okay, so it goes all the way up to eighth grade. Now, all these classes are being taught in these languages? Yeah, so um, the way immersion works, the standard, um, like the national standard in order to, to claim that you are an immersion school, mm-hmm. is that you have to provide at least 50% of the day immersed in the language. Wow. And we say target language because it's not always a foreign language for a student. So at mm-hmm. Gala, we have several students that are native Chinese speakers. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't make sense to say that we are, it, it's the foreign language. Because right. it's not, so we say target. Huh. So target language is used to refer to Spanish or Mandarin. Um, so to be so to be an immersion school, you have to provide at least fifty percent of the day in the immersion language, mm-hmm. and you have to not just teach it as a foreign language. So what we're mostly used to in this region is going to Mandarin class or French mm-hmm. class or Spanish class which could be 45 minutes every day or 45 minutes a week. Um, and you go to that class and you just learn the language. And it's, there's, it's not integrated at all in any part of the school day. Where with immersion, mm-hmm. students are not just learning how to speak Mandarin, but they're learning through Mandarin. Mm-hmm. So they're learning the um, state curriculum for kindergarten and first grade, math, social studies, science um, in Mandarin, as well as having Mandarin language arts. So that happens 70% of the day in Mandarin and also 70% of the day in Spanish. So those, those two, the two Spanish classes, the two Mandarin classes, they're having four and a half hours of the day learning through the language, the state curriculum. Um, then the other 30% of the day it's, it's about an hour and a half is spent in English. Hmm. And that's when the students um, rotate to their the co-teacher mm-hmm. that's English only. Hmm. And so immersion has to be very intentional. You have to immerse students not just um, academically, but everything. So like the classroom is separate. All visuals in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to use Mandarin for an example. So in the Mandarin classroom... There is not a word of English wow. anywhere. It's not on the walls. It's, it's so you don't see it and you don't hear it. The students, they think that their teachers can't speak English. Wow. Because they've never heard their teachers speak English. Now, I can speak to Lu Lao Shi, right, because my Chinese is bad, and I have to ask her a question like, 
um, what is the homework for today? So I'll ask her in English, what is the homework for today? And she will, she's only allowed to respond to me in Chinese. Wow. And so because it's, if kids are in the room, and sometimes we forget the kids aren't even there, <laughs> and she's talking to me in Chinese, I'm like, no, but wait, you need to tell me in English because I, I don't know everything you're saying. Um, so, and so, so it's visual, right? It's person specific. So when they see her, they associate her with that, that language only. Mm-hmm. When they're in that classroom, as soon as they go into that classroom, there is no English that they see or hear. Wow. And right now, of course, they're speaking in English, but they're not getting a response in English. Yeah. Right? And so then when it's English time, they physically leave that Mandarin immersion classroom. They have to go downstairs. So it's a separate mm-hmm. floor. And then mm-hmm. when they go downstairs, all they see is English. Huh. And so when they're in their English classroom, nothing but English on the walls, nothing but English spoken. Um, and then common areas like recess um, or breakfast and lunch, you know, it's kind of like whatever. So the default right now is English, but I can tell you I've gone to, go, I've gone to visit a lot of immersion schools in building this and developing the plan. I have found that the schools that I've gone to visit, even when it's um, a time of day where you can speak any language in a common area, I have this very vivid memory. I toured um, the Yuying Mandarin Immersion School in D.C., mm-hmm. and the kids were lining up for recess. And these are first graders. Um, they're lining up for recess, and they can speak any language they want. And I, I heard a little boy and a little girl talking to each other in line about what they wanted to do for recess, but in Chinese. <laughs> and no one was watching them. No <laughs> one was enforcing it. No one was reminding them. It was just their new norm and that's mm-hmm. what happens when you spend time as a child in immersion it's your new norm it's your new normal that's um so and it's cool. a beautiful thing to see and i think we're already starting to see it at gala that's wonderful yeah. Yeah. well we're going to take a short break uh, we totally have been talking for longer than half of our show uh we will be back in a couple minutes and lisa madam president and i will update you on upcoming events going on in northeast ohio and we'll catch you in a few the Mona Khan Company is a critically acclaimed Bollywood dance and fitness company based in the San Francisco Bay Area. The company's troupe made it to the top 48 on the NBC show America's Got Talent Season 5. In 2013, they performed at an inaugural ball in Washington in honor of President Obama's second term in office. And recently, they were invited to perform at Oprah Winfrey's tour, The Life You Always Wanted. The company also offers 100 dance classes a week for ages 3 and up in 10 cities in and around the Bay. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the Monarch Hunt Company.
you, Cleveland, for having the Mona Khan Company at this year's Asian Festival. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to OCA's Asia Town Voice, the hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. We're on here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m., and this hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans' community, culture, education, and events going on in Northeast Ohio. OCA's Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Yin Tang, also known as DJ Bossy Lady. And Johnny Wu, the ghost host, has returned for a random visit. <laughs> and there he is. I see him floating away. <laughs> and now I'm going to turn the mic over to Madam President Lisa Wong, and she's going to give us a, a rundown of upcoming events in Northeast Ohio, Asian-related events. Well, sort of. Well... We have one in Asia Town. It's a Cleveland Community Police Commission meeting at Sterling Recreation Center on Thursday, August 25th. Um, it's at 5.30 to 8.30. It's a community meeting where the Cleveland uh, Community Police Commission is, you know, looking for um, input from the community as to what they like to see and how they can um, work with the Cleveland Police, the City of Cleveland Police, and the community. So that's an important meeting being held at Sterling Rec on Thursday. And then even on the 26th, we have the um, RAISE Summit. Um, so that's going to be at, I believe, Corporate College. RAISE is R-A-I-S-E? R-A-I-S-E, yes. That's for um, the Healthy Initiative? Right. So, yeah. Healthy Eating, Active Living, but we're focusing on, this is our second summit, so we'll be focusing on physical activity. Um, they're working with many of the um, language schools and social nonprofit um, organization like OCA and with St. Clair Superior Development Corporation in providing, encouraging um, a healthy um, activity within the community that's culturally um, appropriate for um, the Asian community. So a lot of people are doing um, yoga at their community centers, or we're doing Tai Chi, and we're promoting various activities even throughout Asia Town where the community can get involved, and as well as people from great outside of the city of Cleveland can come in to participate in these activities. So we do have the Ray Summit. It would be during the day. It's geared towards anyone in social work, anyone, um, you know, anyone can sign up, but. You know, it's educating people on the cultural differences between, you know, why they, you know, these, these organizations are doing these activities so that um, more people can participate and we're not, like, leaving a segment of the population out of the Get Fit um, activities. So also, let's see, on, we also have Night Market Cleveland, which is happening on Friday the 26th in the evening where the OCA Dragon Team is performing. Woo! Probably about 7 p.m., roughly. Um, so you'll see that. But OCA Greater Cleveland is also doing voter registration at Night Market, as well as One World Day, which is on Sunday, the 28th. Um, so we're doing two things, being at Night Market, voter registration, and then doing the um, Dragon Dance. And One World Day, which we have... It's a celebration of... 100 years for the Clean Cultural Gardens. Woo! And if Yin Tang can talk more about that <laughs> Me? one. Oh, whoa, way to drop the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, Cleveland One World Day is coming up on August 28th, and it's to celebrate the gardens and their mission, which is peace through mutual understanding. Um, guess what? Michael Stanley's going to be there. Woo! Not a very Asian thing, but uh, definitely something worth catching. He's going to hit the stage about 6.25 in the evening, and this will be the KeyBank Centennial Main Stage, and uh, I know it's a really long name, but it'll be located on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, 
um, near the kiosk, which is by the German Garden. So if you find the German Garden, um, go to the MLK side, and you can't really miss it. It's going to be a giant stage. Um, Lots of other things going on, lots of Asian performances. If you guys want to learn how to do stuff, uh, I know there's um, hula dancing. There's going to be an interactive uh, free class. It's pretty short. There's going to be karate that's interactive, and then K-pop, too. There's going to be a couple of girls teaching K-pop, and uh, it's all free. It's going to be between 2.30 to 5.30. It's mixed classes, and if you head to the Polish Garden on East Boulevard, it's right by East Boulevard in St. Clair. You might want to be careful because St. Clair Avenue won't be closed, but East Boulevard will be closed off, so... Um, yeah, free classes there all day, lots of other performances, some Asian, some not, totally intercultural and wonderful. Uh, go to the Cleveland Cultural Gardens, park at the VA, it's free parking, and take the free shuttle to the gardens. Woo! Okay, and one more shout out for the OCA Cleveland uh, Dragon Dance Team. We are going to be at the Chinese Garden at 1120, um, performing there, and then right after that they're going to do a Chinese dance um, with the CCCCA. Yes, and that's at 1 o'clock. Yes, at the Chinese Garden. So, And then there's other performances on the the main footprint of the gardens as well. Um, and that one, I mean, you can take the shuttle to both. So it's uh, And then Lolly the Trolley will be doing tours as well around the main footprint, uh, MLK and East Boulevard. So, so lots of activities to do. Yes. Um, do we have anything else, Lisa? I, I mean, I have one that's not really Asian. It's, it's kind of German. It's the Berea Oktoberfest, but I will be there, and I'm Chinese. Are you performing? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, then, then it's Asian, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what it is is uh, they, they normally have an international pavilion, and this year they have um, a, an actual international tent. Uh, so it's, it's slightly different for those of you who are familiar with the usual setup. And we're going to be there on September 3rd of the Berea Oktoberfest. We're going to be on at 2 o'clock, and then our second set is at 4 o'clock, and we're... Um, not debuting, but we have a new dance. It's called Flight of the Phoenix, and it's pretty darn cool. The song is pretty darn cool, so that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, and I guess that concludes our upcoming events, so let's turn our attention back to Marin here. Thank you once more for joining us and our kind of uh, scrambling to figure out the events that are coming up because um, there's there's quite a few. Um, and hopefully we'll have more next time we're on air. But going back to talking about GALA, uh, the Global Ambassadors Language Academy, I see in this photograph here you have quite a diverse background of children. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Diversity. Yes, the diversity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would be happy to. Um, we have been getting a lot of compliments about how diverse our um, school is. Uh, so to start with our staff, um, our staff is very diverse. Our two Mandarin um, immersion teachers are both from China. Um, one teacher just came from the uh, from St. Louis, Missouri as an immersion teacher there. So we're very happy to have her. Um, the other Mandarin immersion teacher um, originally from China but just came from Colorado Springs. Denver, um, also from uh, an immersion school, so we're thrilled to have two um, experienced immersion teachers on staff. Um, and then our uh, on our span in our Spanish program, we have uh, one of our teachers is here from Salamanca, Spain, with through the Ohio Department of Education Spain Visiting Teachers Program. Wow! This program has been operating for many many years, but it's actually the first time that they've ever placed. Um, a teacher through this program in Cleveland. Um, so we're very excited about that. And um, our other Spanish immersion teacher is originally from Shaker Heights, um, but she um, gained her bilingual fluency um, it, while she lived in New Mexico for many, many years, where that community is a very bilingual Spanish community. Um, our students are also very diverse. Um, Uh, Half of our student population is coming from the city of Cleveland, Mm -hmm. but the other half is coming from outside of the city of Cleveland. Um, 50%. So um, where are they coming from? Very, very far. Um, I thought that I would probably be one of the furthest um, drives in. Um, I'm coming in from Cleveland Heights. The school is located on the west side um, near West 134th and Lorraine Avenue. Mm -hmm. Um, But the furthest drive uh, is a family that comes from Brunswick. Wow. So their drive is about 45 minutes long. We have another family in Hudson, um, Westlake, Solon, Willoughby Hills, Euclid, Shaker Heights, um, Lakewood, 
Parma. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have families coming from many, many suburbs outside of Cleveland um, with the furthest drive being 45 minutes away. So with that, that brings a lot of diversity. You know, I like to remind people that diversity is not just the way that we look, right? Diversity is um, what communities we come from. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, what race we are, what culture we celebrate, what religion we celebrate, um, what our um, social economic status is. This is all diversity and I think is very important um, in all communities, but especially in a school community. Mm-hmm. Um, so our students are, um, we have heritage speakers, we have um, native Spanish speakers, native Mandarin speakers, we also have native Arabic speakers, um, and we have just complete you know, native English speakers. Um, so there's a diversity of language, which also comes with a diversity of culture, because mm-hmm. you can't have language without culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are a very, very diverse uh, and uh, school community with staff and families and students. Um, and if you come and visit, you'll see it instantly, instantly in, in everyone that you see. It's really beautiful. So it says that uh, this the school is tuition-free. Is it... Um do the students coming from outside of Cleveland have to pay additional tuition, or is it just free to the people in the city? Like- no, it's completely tuition free. Um, so we're a nonprofit, independent charter school. Okay. Um, By law, charter schools are public, mm-hmm. nonprofit, and tuition free. Uh, we're open to all Ohio residents, but it really doesn't matter where you live. As mm-hmm. long as you're a resident of Ohio, you can attend Gala. <laughs> That's really yeah. fascinating. That's cool. I mean, I always thought that you had to register in the district where you live. With with traditional public schools, okay. but with, with charter schools that are also public, there's more flexibility and autonomy. Huh. That's, wow. And people drive 45 minutes to take their kids there. Absolutely. From very, <laughs> very nice suburbs right. with really great school districts. Because we are the only school in Northeast Ohio that provides this option and um, for Mandarin, we're the only school in the state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. I do notice here that there's traditional writing on this ad. And I, I have to say, I'm proud that my first Chinese school I ever went to taught Taiwanese Chinese. And uh-huh. I do know quite a bit of traditional characters because of that. But the schools I went to later only taught simplified. And yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Like, sometimes they're just so different. Like, the character for dragon is completely yes, different. I, had, I know how to write <laughs> dragon in Chinese. My son came home telling me that he was from the dragon room. Aww. And he pointed to the dragon character. And I was like, what is that? Because that's not, it doesn't even look like a dragon. No. Like the traditional dragon character looks like a dragon to me. Right. And the simple. And I don't know what he wrote. I mean, <laughs> or I, so, yeah. So um, to explain that. So I am very proud, you know, of my Taiwanese roots. And mm-hmm. I grew I I learned simplified characters when I oh. studied at Case. My teacher was from China and most of the curriculum and resources are all in simplified, simplified. characters. So there's no way around it. But when I studied abroad... It was like a slap in the face because (laughs) all the books and my my professor (laughs) taught in traditional. So I had to learn traditional. (laughs) And then when I came back and I continued my studies at Case with the same teacher, he was like, what are you writing? Why are you writing in this? Like, I'm like, I was in Taiwan. They told me to write like this. Now I'm coming back. You're telling me to switch again. So um, I was able to write in both simplified and traditional, but now I've like lost everything. I'm, oh. I feel happy to write my name. You right. know? Like, um, so, but this is having um, the Chinese characters, right? In traditional is like my quirky way of using my limited authority as the director so it's in it's in traditional because i just wanted to write it in traditional Um, but did the classes teach no it's all it's simplified i mean the reality is that there are limited resources for um mandarin immersion instruction there's tons of resources out there for teaching chinese as a foreign language Mm -hmm. but which looks very different from immersion because you need you need curriculum that is age appropriate mm-hmm. that is teaching math mm-hmm. and social studies and science and so the best material that you can get to instruct students is obviously going to be in simplified 
Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's very fascinating. I'm actually teaching Chinese too, but to adults. Uh-huh. Um, most my husband's cousin. Uh, she's my husband's Caucasian, and, and so is his cousin. And uh, she and two of her close friends are adopting separately, of course. Um, so her her friend is Colleen, and her husband. They're they're at the end of the process. In a couple months, they're going to get their son from China. Which I was surprised that there were even any boys up for adoption. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that, but you know everybody knows that you know in, in China at least the common knowledge every they everybody wants to keep the boy and you know give up the girl which is really sad but now you know some families are allowed to have a second child so hopefully we'll see less of that but long story short she's at the beginning of her process and she is adopting a young girl from china she doesn't know who yet and she wants to be able to at least speak in chinese with this child so i have taken up three students plus my husband but he just kind of hangs out like he he, he <laughs> just makes so smart alec comments on the side which <laughs> help her remember but at the same time you know he's um i have worked with him before so he's a little bit further ahead than everyone else so right now he's at the point where he's not challenged and he's kind of helping me co-teach except he has really bad pronunciation <laughs> yeah oh, yeah that hurts my ears when uh, <laughs> my husband when he tried because i say i've always said phrases in chinese to my children mm-hmm. and when i hear him say like the phrases yes. too it's like nails on a chalkboard yes. i just tell him like please stop please <laughs> just don't it's so bad it's so bad yeah. I, know, I know i know i'm bad but man it's not bad <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. my poor husband like i mean he he stopped now and i probably should be doing this but like if he does it wrong i'll make him repeat it over and over until he gets it right which it does help him a little bit but then it also makes him like try to avoid saying anything right. in Chinese to me yeah. so <laughs> like um, a funny example is uh, in, in Chinese chinghua is frog but chinghua is to kiss me and so he would always say frog whenever he would ask for a kiss <laughs> so that <laughs> So one day I was at Mark's and I found this little, it was Valentine's Day, it was a little frog that you squish and it made a kissing noise. So I bought that and I carried it around with me and I would like, Aww. whenever he said the wrong thing, I would like make him kiss the frog. So, so now he knows that. And uh, another funny story, when you say sorry, it's 对不起. Uh-huh. And when you say you're welcome, it's 不客气. I don't know how, but he gets the two confused. So, <laughs> so, so one day, I can't remember, really, he, for, he did the dishes wrong or something. I can't remember what he did. But it was hilarious because he kept saying you're welcome over and over. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep looking at him. He's like, what? I'm saying, like, 不客气. I'm like, you're supposed to say 对不起. <laughs> yeah, so that's a funny story. <laughs> but, um, but many more come in the future. So... Right now, it says you're only enrolling um, K-1 for the 2016-2017, and I'm just kind of recapping this, and you're hoping to add the classes as they go mm-hmm. up until 8th grade. Now, how big are you expecting to grow this? Um, or, so or I'm hoping to. Sure. <laughs> I mean, we're, so we're, we're going to be a full K-8 school, which mm-hmm. will take, obviously, eight years because we're only adding a grade every year. Um, aside from that, I don't have any, like, um, you know, aggressive growth strategy plans, you know, for gala. If anything, I would maybe one day like to open a gala on the east side, mm-hmm. but really just to be accessible to families. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's just, it's quality over quantity. Like the, my original passion for opening the school um, was my son. And now my daughter who will be at gala in two years, you know, it was really for my kids, but it's such a joy to see, other families, you know, take advantage of it. And so mm-hmm. um, that's all I really wanted. You know, my actually my real dream, my real dream is that Gala can be used as a pilot for other schools and districts that have been considering it because there have been districts and schools that mm-hmm. I know of that have been considering doing this. Okay. Um, and, and for whatever reason, it's never come to fruition. So my real dream is, cause it's, it's a lot of work. I'm mm-hmm. tired. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> um, so I would really love it for others to start their own immersion school, whether it be districts, you know, um, piloting their own program. And I'm happy to share best practices, you know, lessons learned, all our resources. You know, I'm a very sharing person. Sharing is caring. Um, because what I want is I want this, I want this opportunity for everyone, for Mm -hmm. all children. I mean, a lot of parents look at this and, and it's, it's so much more than the language. It's, it's hope, it's exposure, it's no boundaries, you know, sky's the limit. 
Um, there's so many reasons why parents choose this kind of education. And it's just unfortunate that right now we're the only option. Mm-hmm. You know, my dream is that that we do get attention, we do grow, we are successful, but that the ultimate result is that other districts and other schools are beca- are providing the opportunity because I can't, I can't. <laughs> I'm just so tired. Yeah. I don't know, maybe talk to me in like a month, but right now it's rough. We're in our... Um, this is our, we're, tomorrow is our second week of school wow. ending. Yeah, we started August 3rd, and um, it's been amazing. So, I'm just so tired. I guess my question <laughs> is, like, uh, obviously you're adding the grades every year. Are mm-hmm. you going to add, um, like, a third K kindergarten class oh, next year? Oh, sorry, I misunderstood. Yeah, so, um, so currently we, ha- yeah, um, every year we would recruit new kindergarten students, but then the, the founding class mm-hmm. moves up. Mm-hmm. Um, if we needed to, I mean, it depends on demand, but it also depends on our ability to find the resources. Mm-hmm. So um, I, it, was, it was surprisingly easy, I think, to find the right staff. Mm-hmm. Um, we were expecting, you know, having a really hard time, particularly in Mandarin, to find the right teachers. Mm-hmm. We probably interviewed ugh, like 40 Wow. Potential teachers yeah. for our Mandarin um, positions. Um, Spanish, we had a lot of inter- interviews as well, but not as many. I was expecting the other way around. But mm-hmm. so we obviously are going to grow. We want to grow. But in terms of like adding multiple classes per grade level, it would it just depends on capacity. Okay. You know, I can only do with what I have, um, you know, and, and if we have to, we will like. Um, one of our Mandarin immersion teachers, we've um, applied for a visa. We mm-hmm. don't know yet if she got the if she's in the lottery, but this is one of the barriers: is mm-hmm. we can't find the talent we need sometimes, mm-hmm. and then there's a significant cost and energy and resources, and even then, you don't even know if you'll be able to retain the person. So right. we're we're lucky that we have her definitely for this year because she has her OPT time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're still waiting to hear if we if she wins the lottery and she can stay for three years. Now, I'm assuming a lot of these are working parents. Do you also have like a, a latchkey program? I mean, I guess if they're not even first grade yet. That no, we do, though. You do? Yeah, oh. it's it's a reality. And I'm I'm the number one customer. <laughs> right? Like my poor yeah. son, I'm his transportation and mommy has long days. So <laughs> um, I definitely take advantage of our before care and after care. We um, so the school day starts at um, between eight and eight thirty is breakfast. Mm-hmm. We have amazing food service at the school. Mm-hmm. It's home cooked in the kitchen, served directly onto a a plate, mm-hmm. family style, which is, I don't think you can find that anywhere, you know, at a uh, public school. So yeah. um, we have really good food. Um, so breakfast is from 8 to 8.30. And then, um, but before care for families that need to start their day sooner, it starts mm-hmm. at 7. Wow. So between 7 and 8, we have before care. And then at 8, breakfast starts. Families are still trickling in. Um, breakfast is a very important part of the day. So um, even if someone comes past 8.30, we always make sure that the student, if they're hungry, they have a chance to eat and they just sit at the late table. Okay. Um, and then the day ends at 3.30 um, and between 3.30 and 4 is dismissal. So our aftercare is 5 to 7. Okay. And, Lisa, and then, well, since you mentioned breakfast and lunch, and I'm wondering, is, are the foods culturally diverse? Yeah. Um well? So I, not yet, um, but we can. I mean, so we're a part of the National School Lunch Program, so we're compliant with all um, that we need to be in terms of, like, healthy foods and right portions and calorie counts and and salt and sugar and all that. Um, Our food right now, I think, is just pretty traditional American, but I think, I mean, we have the freedom to kind of request things if we want our chef to try and cook something as long as it's mm. within the guidelines mm-hmm. um but where we really want to take advantage of like food right because food is a very big part of culture yes. um as we have like our culture nights or our pa- our parent nights or celebrations at the school that's when we're going to um incorporate more traditional foods from like spanish and chinese culture um already we've been having monthly parent potlucks and mm-hmm. so parents um, that have um, either a Chinese or Spanish background, they've been bringing their own home-cooked food 
and it's amazing. It's wow. great. <laughs> I've been eating it. <laughs> and it sounds like it also like encourages community involvement. Oh, too. absolutely. That's that's another aside from diversity. The other biggest compliment that I continue to hear as a theme is that the school doesn't feel like a school. Not to say that feeling like a school is bad, but it feels like a family. Yeah. We have been, I mean, even though we're in our second week of school, I we've had relationships with our students, some for almost six months now, some for almost a year, because we've been having events since January for all of our enrolled families, parent potlucks, um, ribbon cuttings, just like fun times at the school. because And that gives the parents an opportunity to meet each other and the children to play with each other. Mm-hmm. So first day of school, it was just like, oh, I was here last week. Aww. I'm coming back now. Great. Oh, yeah. you're calling it first day. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's a very nice family community feeling. I'm like, well, now I, if I have kids, I know where to send them. So, <laughs> that was my biggest pressure. It's like, I, I want my children to learn Chinese, but at the same time, I want to go back to work and I don't really know how I'm going to teach. I, you know, it was still in the process of being figured out, but now that I know more about your school, it's definitely something to look into. I mean, oh, I live in Solon though. I mean, I don't well, know if I'm... I can help you with carpooling because we really? have a family that, so the other thing that we do for our families, because we can't provide transportation, at least not in our first year, mm-hmm. um, because the state doesn't reimburse um, transportation in the first year. So it's just not realistic for our budget. Um, but what we've done for families is we help facilitate carpooling. So I probably should have brought it. I have a a really cool map of where all of our families come from. And there's like little pins. Yeah. And they're they're color coded red and green. So all the red dots show Mandarin enrolled families and all Mm -hmm. the green dots show Spanish enrolled families. But we have a family support liaison who, if a parent is interested in carpooling, we have the information where she can connect Hmm. parent to parent. So... We have a family in Seoul, and let's say you were interested in enrolling, but transportation was a barrier. That's when I would connect you or have my mm-hmm. family support liaison connect you to that family in Seoul, and then you could work out a a carpooling drop-off sharing I gotta program. I got to have my kids first. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Step one. Step, Step one. one. <laughs> Bring them into the world. Yes. But yeah, no, that's wonderful. That's very that's very well thought out. But I'm sorry, Lisa, you, you had a question. I kind of... Well, I know you mentioned culture and how your importance, culture is important in teaching language. How is the school um, teaching culture in their classes? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't, I don't feel like I can speak so much on the Spanish program, right? Um, but I know that the Chinese, the Chinese immersion teachers, um, they're incorporating culture in every single way in songs, in the songs that they sing, um, in the in what they're they're teaching the students in terms of the images that they're sharing, so like I mean even even with the class names, it started there, right? The panda room, the dragon mm-hmm. room. Those are two animals that are significant to Asian culture. Um, so you know how they identify themselves in the class, um, the songs that they sing, um, the the worksheets that the teachers use. To, sh- um, to teach the instruction, there will be, I mean, very, like, Chinese, um, Chinese-style images, um, and then also, like, the way that the rooms are decorated. So in the, in the Chinese room, there's traditional clothing that's pinned onto, like, a cork board that they can see. Um, there's decorations that they brought, like, from China that they decorate the room with. So um, I think, like, a focus time where we would really, like, dedicate celebrating culture is like through culture nights that we're planning for the families so it would be like a after school um family-wide event that they could come and like celebrate okay yeah well we are nearing the top of our hour but there's one question that we always ask our guests oh no lisa would you like to do the (laughs) so as you can tell food is a major theme yeah (laughs) it seems like a major undertone i was set up here (laughs) here it goes um I think what is your favorite Asian dish? Oh, that's easy. And oh, the, only one? There's a two-part the part. question. The second part is, will you cook it for us? <laughs> oh, well, I'll cook it for you, but I don't know if you'll eat it. <laughs> uh, my favorite dish is—I don't know how to say it in Chinese. It's like the fatty pork. Oh my god, yeah, like I, the knuckle or? Uh, well, I'll ha- I'll have that too, but that's not my favorite. <laughs> no, it's um, it's the pork belly. It's the um, cut up pork belly. I call it fatty pork. I don't know what is the real name is. Quick I wouldn't know. 
Okay. I wouldn't know, but I think if, I, know if you showed it to me, it looks like thick sliced bacon, right? It's it's yeah, but it's really really like slimy and fatty, oh. and you just have it over rice. I've had it before. That is my all time. So I tried to cook it once in <laughs> Taiwan, oh. and well, and here in Cleveland. Um, <laughs> it was funny because I I bought a big thing of um, pork belly from Park to Shop, mm-hmm. and I brought it home and I unwrapped it, and my sister was with me. And I unwrapped it, and we were going to try to cook this again, right? <laughs> there's been multiple attempts. Um, and when I unwrapped it, there was um, a nipple. Oh! <laughs> right? Because it's a pork belly, right? right? right. Pigs have nipples. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I couldn't get over it, and so I had to, like... I couldn't, I couldn't eat it. Like, I like, I can't, I've seen the nipple. I can't cook it. I can't eat it. So my sister had to cut it. Like she like shaved it off for me. Oh, we cooked man. it. Um, side note that I got, I got off on a tangent. No, I tried to cook it an, another time in Taiwan and I felt very confident because my, um, one of my teachers that was Taiwanese, she gave me the recipe. She told me what to buy and I don't know what happened, but it was like thick black tar. Really? Yeah, I cooked it for my roommates, and they were like, they were like, we're gonna eat it. It's okay. It was like black and burnt and really, really bad. And they all tried it because they knew I worked so hard. Oh. So I can try and cook it for you. Yeah, sure. I just we're thinking <laughs> you, about doing. If you're gonna eat it, is the question. That's my question. I, to you. Well, I eat anything. So okay. I mean, as long as it tastes good. But they, you know, they had some at the night. Um, I went to the night market. It was last year. What? The, the Asian night market last year was... Was the, it like on a kebab or was it no, like No, it was in a bowl. Oh. It was in a bowl. I think it was from maybe Emperor's Palace. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it was a little different, but it was like, it was kind of the same. It was the seasoning was different. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we want to thank you listeners for tuning in today. And we'll catch you next week with some more stories and music. Bye-bye. Oh!